The local church is a collection of people who are being transformed by Jesus, who live in a community purposefully to model and proclaim Jesus. Scripture tells us to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. Every story is unique. Each person is an individual who has met Jesus. All of us have strengths and weaknesses. Together, we are the church, and these are our stories. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. I'm Jeff Lettington. We're in our Stories of Faith series, and today I have a good friend, Casey Spencer. Welcome, Casey. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jeff. I'm, I'm glad. And so you're here today as kind of a, a story of your own and a sequel. So if you're listening, we began this series with a story from a friend of mine named Rob Spencer. Same last name, you figured it out, they're married. And so Rob tells his story in an earlier episode, but we don't want to go there. This is Casey's story, but the two will intersect mid-episode, if you will. And so Casey, take us back to who is Casey? How do we get here? How do you meet Jesus? Okay, so growing up, uh, I had just an innate desire to to know God um, whether that I knew what that actually meant I'm not I'm not sure um, but I knew I wanted to go to church and so I would convince someone to take me <laughs> Christmas and Easter so I kind of got the exposure but really had no idea what that meant there was just something that drew me in and then um, right around junior high school I had a friend who invited me into his life and into his family and they just welcomed me. I went to Christmas parties. We spent time just in band <laughs> together, right. um, which later, um, later in the story, he comes back. Okay. Um, so let's, so your family didn't go to church. <laughs> okay, so no family, no church family background, mm -hmm. but the family was pretty broken anyways. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so this connecting with another family is really kind of a, a not maybe a first but an effort at mm -hmm. finding that sense of home family love right yeah and i didn't really understand why i was so drawn to it okay but looking back now um my childhood through adulthood um or through high school was really spent in traumatizing experiences yeah. really drugs alcohol um not your drug and alcohol. Not my drug and right. alcohol. Yes, so, no, 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 if no, you're no, listening, no, no, no. So Sorry. That's the home environment. Yes, the home environment was um, filled with with all of that. A right. single parent um, trying to raise two kids, um, uh, an abusive husband who would come and go. Right. And so I experienced watching a lot of that, waking up in the middle of the night and hearing um, them going at it or seeing things in the home that hmm. just, you know, kids shouldn't be seeing and sure. you know as you grow up you you see these things and you experience in them but you don't really understand that they're bad I wasn't in an environment outside of that that was equal to that right. so I grew up in a actually a nice neighborhood um, my mom actually was good at keeping us in the same schools so there was some stability with friends and uh, but we had roommates all the time right. to just be able to make ends meet um, electricity sometimes didn't come on, but so this gets part. you to a place where when someone with, again, with like kind of a more stable home and, mm -hmm. um, and a church and mm -hmm. things like that. So that you don't know all the pieces of why, but it's attractive. Right. 
And so you said, okay, then you, if I fast forward to you turn 16 and get a driver's license, mm -hmm. you start going to church mm -hmm. on your own. So take mm -hmm. me there. So I had a friend who took me one time to a church out in locally. And so when I turned 16, I got my license and I got in the car by myself and I went to church. Um, and I had been there once <laughs> and it had been maybe a year or two prior and people recognized me mm. and and just plugged me right in. And I, I honestly never looked back. I okay. got plugged into the youth group, um, really the church and the leadership in the youth group and the were amazing. Um, got me into small group, got me into one-on-ones, um, just mentors that really just loved on me, took care of me, got me plugged into a lot of different activities, um, things I was not experiencing at home. Okay. And so, so you meet Jesus mid in middle school, high schoolish. Mm, after kind of after all of that okay. so so it's know, coming out okay 16 17 yeah through that story through the church through mm -hmm. the and I, I just heard incredible cool things not only a family outside of this that is you know exposes you to faith but then a church that really comes around you and does well as a church mm -hmm. like they do well and so ultimately that leads you to your own faith and you find kind of a faith, a family, a home, a church, and all of that. We have to get there, so Rob's going to be a part of this story. So how do we then get to a husband? So during that time, um, the same family that had taken me in, um, the son was friends with Rob, uh, and he had invited me around that same time to go to a concert, and mm -hmm. Rob was in the car along with these Two other guys. I don't know why I was the only girl there, but I was. <laughs> right. And that was back before there was rules about that. And yeah. there I met Rob. So, um, and then from there, uh, you know, we're in high school and we're doing our thing and he's at a different school, but we would coincidentally run into each other often. <laughs> um, I never went to church with them. They had, they were both going to a different church, but okay. our churches did things together. Okay. So sometimes we would be there. And um, and so it was kind of in and out, young. But by the time we graduated high school, Rob began to pursue me. Relent. So he pursued you, you <laughs> didn't pursue him? Um, not at that point, Okay. no. I mean, there was some equal, like, we liked each All other. Right, I got it, I get you, yeah, I'm with <laughs> It you. wasn't that we didn't, but, but there was a drive in him. Okay. Um, and relentless um <laughs> just and it, and it felt good sure. right but i was going off i was going to college um he was playing volleyball <laughs> so there were some you know right things right. and reasons i you know i was moving that way and he was moving a different way and i thought I, maybe i thought i was better at that time who knows sure but sure um, but he so continued to pursue. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I see it. So you come from a dysfunctional home, a, pain, a very painful beginning. You're drawn to other things. You're drawn mm -hmm. to better, more stable homes, um, which totally, to know you, anybody listening that knows you, stability, home, relationship, like that's, those are words we would use to describe you. And so totally see that. And so you find that in church. You mm -hmm. find that in your faith. 
now there's a question like, is this the right guy? Is that because I don't want to have this crazy home life. And so eventually, evidently, he wins the day yes. and you marry him. <laughs> so you get married and you would think you're like, cool, happy ever after. That's not true. Not at all. So pick up. You guys are married and tell me the story. Yeah. So we do get married. We're married very young. Um, and we had a lot of friends that supported us. We were plugged into the church. Um, we were part of a young marrieds group that was solid. And we did a lot of activities together. And about three years, two years into our marriage, two years into our marriage, um, we go on a, a camping trip with a group of the young married couples. We had gotten there a little early. Rob was heading out to go meet a friend and gets in a car accident. <laughs> yeah. So. I'll fill in a little bit of what Rob has said that you didn't experience in the moment in a second. But so you get this news. Explain that. So we're I'm at the campground. Um, it's early morning and we're just kind of getting up and getting moving, you know, and a police vehicle pulls up into the camp. And later I find out that they found our site because the ticket for the campsite was in the window of the Jeep. Right. And so she says, I need to take you to the hospital. And my brother was there for some reason. I don't know why he was on the <laughs> young marriage trip, but I tagged right. he, he tagged along. You know, we were dysfunctional growing yeah, up, so right. he, he comes. Right. So my brother and I and another girl that was there, we jump in the car. And um, on the drive there, if I'm remembering correctly, felt like hours. Oh, I bet. And we actually drove by the accident. Um and she, the driver, would not share any information. She mm. just said, I don't know. We're going to the hospital. Right. Drops us off and then leaves us there. <laughs> and so we end up sitting in the hospital room with not a clue as to what has happened. Um, just that Rob's been in an for accident. For hours. For hours. Yeah. Yes, hours. So I'll fill in a little bit that you can go back and hear Rob's story. It's, the, um, it's in the first episode of Stories of Faith. But so here's what happens, and, and so that you can understand Casey's story. Rob wakes up from an accident with a traumatic brain injury, and he's roughly, we'll call it 25 years old. And he loses the first 25 years, his whole life up until that moment, he has no recollection of. Literally, the doctors, the hospital, introduce him to his wife. Now, his mouth is wired shut. He is very, very injured back. I mean, he's, he's strapped down to things. And so there's this time where Rob inside of himself knows nothing. There's also a moment where they're going to release him from the hospital. And in order to go home, he has to say he's remembered everything. So he lies. So you don't know this when he can talk or whatever information you get. You think he knows you. So tell me that part of the story. So now your story. Right. So I pick him up. We go home. His mouth is wired shut. Right. So he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't have to be accountable to any information. Right. <laughs> and the doctors didn't tell me anything. Uh, so I take him home and um, we, he is, he doesn't talk. I go to work. We kind of get through that time. He comes out of that. I think he shares in his story about going to the job and not knowing what to do yeah. and how to do it. So there's a lot of frustration, which then, of course, is impacting me. I'm 
moving into my career. Um, I've just, it's my first year teaching. Um, I didn't even know how to call in a substitute that day. Mm. <laughs> and so um, we're trying to live this life of figure, you know, just getting him back healthy and sure. back to the job and all of that. Um, but it doesn't ever really go back that if I go back to that relentless pursuing, it's completely gone. It's gone. It's gone. So at this point, I'm starting to feel that he, something's not right. right. Something is not right. And I, I would ask questions, you know, all these different things that were happening. Um, and even his parents came out at some point and said, something's not right. I okay. mean, mothers know their sons, right? Sure. And so they confirmed that something wasn't right, but I still could never figure out. But nobody out knows what, what it is. Nobody knows what okay. it is. Yeah. So there's this 10 year block and not knowing is where you begin, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. maybe you're in, right? But mm -hmm. year two, three, four, it's not just not knowing. So how do you feel, and, and I'll get to why I said 10-year block in a second, but during that time period, how are you feeling about the life you're living? Yeah, it was a struggle. Um, I doubted our relationship. I doubted um, my self-worth at times. Um, I mean, I thought, I have a good job. I get up, I do what I'm supposed to do sure. as a wife. <laughs> right. And yet there wasn't a, um, there was nothing coming back in a mm. way of emotion. Rob was great at doing things. Um, you know, we, like I said, we went to church, we, sure. we were involved in a lot of things, but the emotional connection yeah. was definitely missing, um, which created a lot of um, just questionable behavior. I had, Unfortunately, I had friends coming in and giving more, putting more doubt in my mind sure. about our relationship. Um, but I leaned in um, that entire time. God has always been there. And that's, I, I, I honestly, I, I think that's the only way sure. I got through all of that. Because we were alone. Our friends bailed early on, I think, because he didn't have that connection yeah. with them either. So, um, and we changed churches. As soon as Rob got comfortable somewhere, we would move to another space. Mm. Um, and at the time, again, I didn't know why didn't that know, was yeah. happening, but he would build up some anxiety about people remembering things. And so he would just want to move to the next right. to the next place. So as Rob tells it, 10 years go by and Rob's got this other job. He's doing something else. And uh he goes to an airport as a part of the job and he has a panic attack, which is new. He's never had that before. So he has a panic attack at an airport, gets through it, uh, and gets to the doctor that you guys mm -hmm. saw and tells the doctor what's up. And the doctor knows that he has not been honest with you. And so he says, listen, you've got to come clean. You've got to go home. You've got to tell your family. And, and in the meantime, by the way, you've had a son. So now Jake's in the picture. And, and so Rob comes home and tells you something to the effect of, I've been lying to you for a decade. Well, he didn't say he's been lying. So, okay, well, no, that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> yeah. you tell me the story because I wasn't there. Yeah, no, his words were, you know, I don't have any memory. Okay. And I said, what? What does that even mean? And then my response, of course, was not, I don't think it was what he expected because it turned into more tension, more sure. argument. Like, and my response was, you've been lying to me for 10 years. Like, this is all a lie. Like, what does this even mean? And where do we go from here? And then he gets mad at me for getting mad at him. And, right. and then it takes some time. Um, you know, if you know 
anything about, you know, brain injuries and, and behaviors and things like that. It, it takes him, it takes him some time to kind of get past that to be yeah. able to let me in again because he does this shut off, um, which looking back, it was always very clear when he was in the moment with me and when he was checking out. Right. Because if things got hard, Rob checked out. Yeah, he just toggled that part he off. Just, right. He just turned it off, which is crazy. Yeah. But, but he right. can do it. So you are rightly mad, I'll say from the outside, for being lied to, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if you're listening to this, you're also a bit sympathetic to Rob. Like, okay, he went through a traumatic brain injury, a loss. I don't know what that feels like. And you, you feel it. Okay, that's hard, right? So, but you get to this place and just the same, now you're whatever, like 15 years in a marriage and there's, you know, 10 years of it's a lie, mm-hmm. but you have a kid. And so how do you put the pieces back together? Uh, I don't think we really did. I think we continued, we just moved on. We continued to do what we always did. Um, we were so involved. Jake was probably in uh, elementary school and you know, we got to junior high and we just followed him along the path and tried to be the best parents we could, tried to have fun, went on trips, but a lot of them ended in tension at some point, whether it was me pressing in, wanting more from him and him not being able to give it back. Um, but it was still a struggle for probably the next almost 10 years. <laughs> so then fast forward. So we get to this next 10 year mm-hmm. chunk and what changes? So Jake's about to graduate and, um, and Rob loses it. Like he comes home and he wants us to go to marriage counseling. And I'm thinking, what? like nothing's happened different. Right. Like, why are we going to why marriage? Yeah. Without, yeah. Like why now? What's, what's the deal? And then, um, we spent a whole week trying to figure some things out with him. We got into a counselor and basically it went like, oh, her life was so traumatic. She has all these issues. <laughs> it's him wow. telling the psychiatrist that I had this past. Um, and she said, and then by the time we're done, she says, sends me off with a book. And she says, you come back <laughs> to him. <laughs> so again, I have no idea, even at this point, what the heck is happening? Right. Like, what, what is, yeah. like, this was weird. Um, and there were a lot of things. God is so crazy to, I, I mean, he's giving me a lot of strength because sure. that week my dad was dying. My son was going to the senior prom and I was in charge of everything that day. <laughs> and we're at a psychiatrist and the, she tells me we're functionally dysfunctional. Okay. <laughs> so everything's like going, like my whole world is falling apart. And then we're trying to keep that from Jake because it is a senior year. We're like, this is when parent we we can't as parents we need to right. we need to hold it together. So functioning dysfunctional. So you get through every day and look good to the world yep. as a family, but inside everything's jacked up. We're totally messed up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does it ever change? Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. Let's get there then. <laughs> All right. So, um, so then from that mo- from that moment, and I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know exactly what's going on in Rob's brain. I can't, we can't know what other people are feeling. Um, But we just, we fought the good fight and we, um, he turned a corner, I think, in just um, seeing life for what it was and what we had and just being completely open about all of that. And um, the interesting part of this that, that probably is important in this story is that 
about, oh gosh, I don't even know the timing, but very shortly before all this fell apart, I had come to a place where I just went to bed one night and I had been praying and praying and praying for just something new, something different, something to change, some kind of peace about Mm. me being here because I knew God had me in this relationship for a reason. I I wouldn't have stayed had I I not thought I had purpose. 20 years is a long time if you think there's no good that's going to come out of it. So I fought for the good the entire time. And there was a moment where I went to bed and I just had this overwhelming sense of peace. Mm. Um, And then I was fine and I was doing good. So when this erupted a week later, I thought, or Mm. two weeks, you know, right right after that, I thought, God, okay, that's kind of not a very nice joke. Like what? Like I was feeling right. good. Like I had just when I, I thought had, we had it I thought like okay, we're good. We're moving on. I have peace. I know I'm doing good in this relationship. I know I need to stick this out. Yeah. And then the whole thing goes goes haywire. So we we you know draw back into the church. We come together as a couple. Um, we start spending more time together, and and he's showing great effort. Um, I, I think everything he let go. I think I think that's what happened. He let go of all of the fear or the whatever the feelings were sure. that he had. He finally was able to let that guard down and let me in. And mm-hmm. that's when I think that was the moment where I knew, okay, God, like this is why I've been here this whole time. So Rob tells a story of that part of the story about him having always had faith. In fact, even when he lost everything, lost all his memory, there was a sense of belief, like Mm -hmm. factual belief, because he's very logical, very black Mm -hmm. and white, right? Mm -hmm. Factual belief, there is a God. Okay. You go to church, and he is kind of winging it, right? But he always believes. Consistent. Mm -hmm. But he says at that moment that he really, and he attributes it to the Holy Spirit in his story, Mm that really he moves from a faith or a belief to a relationship. Mm, mm-hmm. And so from the outside, you're seeing these things around marriage and, and whatever else, right? Uh, relationship or personality attributes or, you know, effort, mm-hmm. right? But a gear and, a, you know, kind of a light switch mm-hmm. in him, mm-hmm. it really does turn a corner. Mm-hmm. And so, but for you, this, m- you know, kind of meta-narrative story right. of family, not starting well, mm-hmm. finding it in the church, finding it in faith, finding true love in Jesus, right? And then, okay, I got this guy who's pursuing you. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, great, I got a good dude. So I got, I got Jesus, I got a good church, I got a good dude. Okay, we're on our roll. And then something neither one of you asked for happens. Mm-hmm. Not even your fault, somebody else hits Rob, right? I mean, it truly isn't your fault. And, and it's not his fault, he loses his, his right. memory. And, and I don't know how I would respond to that. And I can't imagine but I can't imagine being you either, mm-hmm. right? So this story keeps cultivating just, yeah. And, and Rob says, you were the perfect person to handle that marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a great compliment and a crappy thing, right? Yeah. So yeah, like, exactly. yeah, I, I could suck it up and <laughs> yeah. tough through this, yeah. right? But, yeah. but there's people out there who their background, their families, it does influence their family, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think 
you have overcome, and I think your faith has overcome some of those things, but it always leaves scars, right? Mm -hmm. So you were well-built for this, and, and you were solid in your faith, and you were prayerful. But there's people listening whose story resonates somewhere. Um, you know, I even, you and I have that. My wife's chronically ill. Mm -hmm. You've gone through these big injuries. Like, there's, there's a piece that you're like, I, I can connect on, a, on, on that level, right? There's people like, hey, I don't know what to believe about my spouse, husband or wife. They can't account for their time or they're, I'm not feeling like something's there, like there's this switch, right? Or the grenade happens and somebody tells you something, you're like, okay, that just upends a decade, right? Mm -hmm. Or even the next, the next day with counseling, you're like, why? Like mm -hmm. yesterday was just fine, why, you know? <laughs> what, what triggers this? So for those that are listening that relate with your side of the story, wherever it is, mm -hmm. And they're just looking for hope. What would you say to them? I mean, honestly, it really comes down to leaning into God and being intentional with your prayers, being persistent with your prayers, and just trusting that God's going to come through. Um, I didn't. I didn't trust anyone, mm. human. Sure. And ever. <laughs> I mean, it was along the path. And so I, I think when I finally realized that my identity was in Christ and that he was the one that was going to be there for me and provide that hope, that was my story. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, I, I like that. So for somebody who's in the place where you were, I'm going to assume, mm -hmm many times like why am I in this marriage mm -hmm. because there isn't a glimmer of light mm -hmm. of hope mm -hmm. um, what is some encouragement like what can someone do who's in that moment beyond prayer like what could they actively mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. to help themselves to keep them in that I think I think for m part of our story that that isn't here is that I was protecting Rob's story so I also was lying hmm. in some ways. Okay. So I didn't have a confidant. I didn't have a friend that I felt I could go to because, again, I had that, that trust thing. <laughs> sure, yeah. But I think it's finding someone to share your story with um, so that even if they don't understand, even if, but, it, but it needs to be someone who's of the faith yeah. and someone who can give good counsel, um, whether it's a professional or a, a friend but someone who will just listen because there were times when I would just write mm. for hours um, and just to let it out of my body okay <laughs> um, so I think it's that releasing of whatever you're thinking feeling so whether that's through yeah like I said whether that's through writing it down whether it's finding I, I think finding someone because sure. you'll get that comfort um, I lived a lot of years without that that hmm. comfort and so I, I think that's the practical yeah that's good no for sure <laughs> I don't know because I I honestly and even when I think about this I think about it sounds so churchy to say lean into God but that's really what I did yeah well it might be churchy but it does it is true right <laughs> it is true <laughs> so yeah from the outside here's what I would say um, you've had different moments throughout different seasons where you could really lean into the church too. And um, when I asked you a question about what, 
what could somebody do? The first thing you actually said was you kind of admitted your fault mm -hmm, in mm -hmm, the issue. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I know for me, just in life, in marriage, whatever, when everything is about somebody else, you're not going to get anywhere, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. when you find yourself in it, and you're like, okay, I'm not perfect. I'm not saying this thing either. You get to be in a different place with God. Mm -hmm. Your prayers mm -hmm. change. You know, your expectations change. Your anger changes. Your fear changes, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And when you could talk to somebody else, and, and like you described some people who bailed pretty quick early on, mm -hmm. and I'm not judging them. I don't know where they were. I'm not saying anything about that, but there was that, mm -hmm. you know, or people that fed the fears you had, like, mm -hmm. hey, where is he? What is, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you had people that stood by you. Right? right. And so look for that person who is going to, you know, stand by, pray with you. They don't have the answers probably, but talk with you, listen to you mm -hmm. and, you know, be that sense of safety and security. Mm -hmm. And you can, you should find that in the church. You should be able to find that. Yeah. And so, yeah, well, thank you. First off, thank you for sharing your side of the story. Mm -hmm. I, because I know Rob and hang out with Rob, I hear and have heard that side and can't imagine living it from yours. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's the first time I've told my story. Really? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm honored. <laughs> well, if you're listening to this, that's why we're sharing these stories because inside of each story of faith, when Jesus intersects a life, there's things that we can pick up on. There's shared experiences in this world that we go through and we can go this go through this with others and sometimes it's just hearing a story of somebody who pressed on somebody who trusted in Jesus enough to stay the course and get through the hurdles to make life what it should be how Jesus has designed us to live inside of marriage inside of church inside of relationships with one another well, thank you for listening. Stay tuned. Every week we're releasing another story about how Jesus intersects our lives. Thank you for listening to this story about how Jesus made a difference. Generations Church is filled with ordinary people who met an extraordinary Savior. Subscribe so you don't miss a single story. Would you stop and share this with one friend today? The story of Jesus is most easily seen in the lives of people who know him.